Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The GX on Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. When you're in the market for a new Ford, stop by Future Ford for a great selection of new and used vehicles. GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, the grain market saw some movement this week. We'll hear from PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Adam Piccolo. Another funding commitment through the Sustainable Canadian Agricultural Partnership was announced earlier this week. We'll hear from Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt about how that will impact the Livestock and Forage Centre of Excellence near Saskatoon. Manitoba Agriculture has issued its latest crop pest update. We'll hear from provincial entomologist Dr. John Gavlowski. And all of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. But first it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Demore. Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. With Phil Spivak from Precision Weather and Phil, it's mainly sunny here in the Yorkton area today and it looks like it's shaping up to be a pretty nice day. Yeah, no issues at all uh, for today with the sunshine, with dry air. We've got humidity through the afternoon, mostly under 30%. There is actually a very dry wedge of air uh, building in through the central U.S. It's not quite getting to us. It's really very narrow in terms of where it's getting us. It's like eastern Colorado uh, across into parts of Oklahoma and, and Nebraska. So not really where it would affect us, but it's basically the, the center, the, the dry center of what is a very dry air mass all in all. And we're in the dry, even if we're not on the core of that dry est, we're still plenty dry with dew points holding in the uh, mid-single numbers through the uh, next couple of days. Temperatures warming up to around 26 this afternoon. The wind, not a big factor at all. Clear sky tonight, without any precipitation risk. We're down to 11, and the wind still very light. And the wind light is courtesy of that high passing right overhead. The wind comes from the difference between the high and the low, and when you're under the high... There's no difference. You're, you're under the high and or you're under the high. So that's why we're uh, quiet for the next few days. Nearly calm wind tomorrow and tomorrow night as well. Uh, 26, the high again tomorrow. 13, Saturday night. And up to 29 on Sunday, that warm-up, courtesy of the high shifting ever so slightly to the west. As it does that, or excuse me, to the east, that opens up more of a flow from the west. And that brings in uh, even a little bit more dry air. Temperature 29 for Sunday, 28 with a chance of a shower late on Monday. That chance, though, is low. Even Sunday night, there's a chance of a shower. I think the air is still too dry. Showers may try to form, but are not going to have much luck. So we're likely just seeing a few extra clouds rolling in for Sunday night. Monday, not that much of a better chance 
Uh, still, we're looking at negligible, uh, any rainfall from that would be that uh, spotty type shower. Now, when we get spotty showers, you get this warmth any sort of build back in the humidity Monday, which I think is just starting, could produce a heavier shower. Better chance for that is Tuesday. Much of the day partly sunny, slight chance of a shower or thunderstorm flaring up through the late part of the day Tuesday, and we stay around 28. Now, we do back down a little bit, but there is plenty of warm air still to get through over the course of next week. That's Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. Temperatures around the region this hour, the Paw and Shoal Lake Russell are at 22 degrees. Swan River 26, Dauphin 25, Brandon 21, Roblin 24. Regina, Saskatoon, Hudson Bay, Indian Head, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington all reporting in at 24. Broadview Mooseman is at 22. The Yorkton-Melville region has a mainly sunny sky, a south wind at 11 kilometers an hour, 29% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 25 degrees. Yesterday, Yorkton reached a high of 24 degrees and dropped to a low of 10 degrees. There was no precipitation recorded in the 24-hour period ending at midnight last night. The normal high for this date is 23 degrees. The normal low is 10 degrees. The sun rose in Yorkton at 4.34 this morning, and it will set at 9.09 tonight. Extreme temperatures for Manitoba and Saskatchewan yesterday. The Manitoba hotspot was Swan River at 25 degrees. The cold spot Churchill at plus 3 degrees. The Saskatchewan hotspot yesterday was Leader. It also reached 25 degrees. The Saskatchewan cold spot was Scott, which dropped down to plus 3 degrees. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. The grain market saw some movement this week. PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Adam Piccolo says the November canola contract is the most active now and was down just $2 a metric ton on the week. Uh, we are still above that 700 mark as we did see quite a jump up here this month already. We did see as well, too, some volatility overall in the, the soy market. Beans have been dropping. This week, soybean oil went limit down one day this week and continued lower as the U.S. actually lowered their, the EPA lowered their biofuel mandates. So that's uh, caused quite a bit of stir on the, on the soybean oil side of things. Uh, a bit of spillover to canola as well, too. On the Minneapolis wheat front, a little bit different of a story. We saw an increase of approximately 30 cents a bushel. So the wheat market, uh, you know, we did see a bit of a move up. However, I am starting to see some fund profit taking here, it seems like right now. Um, I am actually recommending for clients to look at protecting some of their new crop, depending on, again, uh, how much they have sold. So it seems that this might be a bump up before maybe prices start to move a little bit lower into harvest time. As for other factors? Uh, you know, in a few of them, uh, the U.S. dollars start to move back up again. Uh, a little bit of a risk-off appetite for the stock market, it seems, right, right now. Uh, as well as another important factor is crude oil. Uh, we are below that $70 mark. Uh, crude has been kind of moving a little bit lower here recently. So uh, both of those factors can be a little bit negative here for the grain market. Uh, you know, in the coming weeks. 
Pacallo then provides an outlook for next week and beyond. You know, I definitely want to see canola stay above that 700 mark on the November contract. Uh, again, the July is coming, going to be expiring here soon. Uh, again, looking at protection strategies. Another, another maybe one thing to watch too is the, how the Canadian dollar has jumped up above that 75 cents, uh, putting again a little bit of uh, downward pressure on kind of canola. Again, going with the U.S. dollar as well too. So uh, definitely a couple of factors to kind of be watching. I know a lot of producers are kind of uh, you know watching their crops closely, talking with clients, kind of wide spread rains kind of throughout the prairies. Some crops are looking great to others aren't so much. So that's when put options can really come in. And uh, I do have a guide on my prairie commodities website if uh, producers want to learn more. Adam Piccolo is a commodity futures advisor with PI Financial in Winnipeg. It's time now for the Beef and Forage Report and that's a presentation of Co-op Hail Insurance. Beef and Forage Report. When Alberta was dry, feed prices drew little interest. That's according to Suzanne Leclerc of Marketmaster Limited in Edmonton. But that changed after some timely rains with prices now on the rise. She also stressed the recent spike in commodity prices in the United States influenced the increases in feed grain prices, especially with dry conditions across much of the U.S. Corn Belt. She says MarketMaster was at $8.20 to $8.25 per bushel for feed barley picked up and around $10.50 per bushel for feed wheat, while oats were at $4 a bushel. Meanwhile, Prairie Ag Hotwire reported a 15-cent uptick in feed barley across Alberta during the week at $7 to $9.12 per bushel as of Wednesday. Prices in Saskatchewan lost 25 cents at 7 to $7.50 per bushel, and there was a dip of 4 cents in Manitoba at $6.50 to $6.98. And that's today's Beef and Forage Report. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. DX94 AgriView. The National Coalition of Export-Focused Agriculture Commodity Organizations is voicing major frustration following final approval of Bill C-282 in the House of Commons. The private member's bill, brought forward by a Bloc Québécois MP, aims to prevent Canada's trade minister from making any further concessions on supply-managed commodities, dairy, chicken, eggs and turkey, in international trade negotiations. MPs approved the bill at third reading on Wednesday by a 262 to 51 margin. It was promptly given first reading in the Senate later the same day. Dan Darling, president of the Canadian Agri-Food Trade Alliance, says CAFTA members are profoundly disappointed the bill was adopted at third reading. He says right off the bat, Canada will be going into trade negotiations at a disadvantage. 
Monthly supply and demand projections from Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada were left mostly unchanged in June as the department awaits updated acreage estimates from Statistics Canada at the end of the month. Only corn saw any adjustments in the numbers from May, with a 200,000 metric ton increase in 2022-23 exports, now at 2.05 million tons, resulting in 100,000 ton reductions in current and new crop corn ending stocks at 2.4 million and 2.2 million tons, respectively. Wheat ending stocks were left unchanged at 3.98 million metric tons for 2022-23 and 5.8 million tons in 2023-24. Canola ending stocks were also left unchanged at the relatively tight levels of 650,000 metric tons for the current crop year and 600,000 tons in 2023-24. In its commentary, Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada cautioned that volatility in the world's grain markets remains above normal on generally unseasonable warm northern hemisphere temperatures and mixed moisture conditions, along with the disruptions caused by Russia's war against Ukraine. Proposals to increase a crop chemicals maximum residue limits, or MRLs, on foods and food crops in Canada can again seek federal approval after being put on temporary hold two years ago. Among several other changes, a planned new package of federal regulatory amendments will put a gradual end to a pause imposed in August of 2021 on such proposed MRL increases, which are overseen by Health Canada's Pest Management Regulatory Agency, or PMRA. Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bibeau, Health Minister Jean-Yves Duclos, and Environment Minister Stephen Gilbeau announced the planned amendments in what are billed as Canada's next steps towards a sustainable approach to pesticides management while giving farmers the tools they need to keep providing reliable access to safe and nutritious food. The term MRL refers to the highest legally allowed amount of pesticide residue that may remain on or in food when a pesticide is used according to label directions. The governments of Canada and Manitoba have committed to bolstering Manitoba's competitive advantages in value-added agricultural processing and renewable transportation fuel processing. To support this initiative, they're investing $2.9 million over two years in Asia Sustainable Fuel Corporation's front-end engineering design, or FEED study, for a sustainable aviation fuel known as SAF, processing facility near Portage La Prairie. This investment will not only drive Manitoba towards a low-carbon future, but it will also benefit local agricultural producers. The facility, estimated to cost $1.9 billion, will produce about 1 billion litres of SAF per year, primarily using Canadian feedstock such as canola and soybean oils. The project is expected to create 1,500 construction jobs and around 150 permanent specialized jobs once operational. Additionally, the construction of the facility will have a significant impact on Manitoba's economy, contributing $2 billion in total. And be sure to listen to the latest GX on Agriculture podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. 
Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. It's mainly sunny and 25 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at the top of the hour. As you heard earlier this week, there's been another funding commitment through the Sustainable Canadian Agricultural Partnership. Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebo and Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt announced $6.6 million over five years in support of the Livestock and Forage Centre of Excellence. Merritt says the funding will help the centre's ongoing research on beef, bison and forage that supports growth of the livestock industry. It's a state-of-the-art facility. It's one of its only of its kind in virtually North America that looks at all aspects of the livestock sector from, you know, the cow-calf operation right into the background and finishing off of the of the cattle as well. So it's very important for us. Uh, obviously, the livestock industry in this province is an important part of our economy and our growth, and we want to ensure that and make sure that, uh, obviously, that the livestock industry has all the tools they need to uh, produce, obviously, high-quality beef and, uh, and bison here in the province of Saskatchewan. Merritt says the great thing about the centre is that it attracts bright young minds from right around the world. Not only from within the province of Saskatchewan or in Canada or even Canada, but uh, even internationally and globally. The room today, uh, the tent was full of bright young minds that are really interested in in uh, livestock research, both from uh, you know beef and a bison side of it. And it's great to see those bright young minds and them stay here in the province, whether they work uh, in conjunction with the university or somebody else, or even if they're if they decide to take a career within the Ministry of Agriculture. We're always looking for bright young minds, and uh, hopefully we can attract and keep most of these minds here. Merritt explains the different kinds of research the centre is doing in addition to bison, beef and forage. Different grasses, different mixtures, uh, even around water quality and uh, aspects of that. Um, the research is incredible and I think that, you know, one of the things we're you know, looking at is the importance of the livestock sector even to our native prairie and uh, the importance of the survival of native prairie with that and how it really works well together with the livestock sectors. The center's director, Dr. Scott Wright, said in a news release that this funding will enable them to grow capacity in the livestock and forage sectors through the dynamic and innovative integrated research, education and outreach conducted at the center by students, scientists and their staff team. The funding announcement was made earlier this week at the LFCE's Summer Field Day, presented by Canadian Western Agribition. Livestock Market Conditions U.S. live cattle futures for August closed at 170.77, that's down 37. October live cattle closed at 174.50, down 17. August feeder cattle closed at 233.95, that's up 327. September feeder cattle closed at 237.70, up 317. July lean hogs closed at 91.27, down 57. August lean hogs closed at 89.67, down 30. 
And that's the livestock market conditions. Now it's time to head back out once again to Tanya Cherry. One more time from Esther Hazy Ford today. And Mike, what a great day we've had. It, it just couldn't have been better. It's a beautiful sunny day, and you didn't get sunburned sitting in the back of the truck all day. No, because you guys had sunscreen for me. We hook you up. <laughs> Talk about guest experience and family here. Award-winning dealership. That's right. We've got the awards to prove it, and we love showing them off and talking about them. But if you want to experience some of the best guest experience you're going to have, come on down to Esther Hazy Ford. Let's talk. Talk to myself, Harry, Tom, Grant. The whole crew here is ready to help out with your dealership experience. Sometimes it gets a little frustrating, sometimes it's a little pushy, but it's not like that here. We're just here to get you in the right vehicle that you need and help you get it. Uh, it sounded like a family, like a real family there, as you're describing. <laughs> well, that's why we're Esther Easy Nice at Esther Easy Ford. So nice. So you come on down. How can people get a hold of you, Mike? Give us a call, 306-745-6355, or check us out on our website, www.estereasyford.com. Open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365, or on the leap years, 366. <laughs> uh, and uh, you can actually live chat with us as well there to over the computer or Texas as well. That's awesome. So many ways to get a hold of them. So many ways to get that vehicle that is perfect for you and your family. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. Manitoba Agriculture has issued its latest crop pest update. Provincial entomologist Dr. John Gavlowski says high levels of grasshoppers are being noticed in some areas. So the hatch should be almost complete by now. There might be a little bit more to come. Uh, usually when you start seeing what we call little wing buds on the back of the grasshopper, so they look like little mini wings. When most grasshoppers have those little mini wings, the hatch should be roughly complete. So we're getting there. But yeah, we've got some high levels showing up in some areas. So we're cautioning people just to keep an eye on the levels and uh, particularly areas that had a lot of lush green vegetation late last year. Those would have been good for egg laying, so pastures and roadsides, field edges. Good to be scouting those areas and getting some idea what the grasshopper levels are like. He says there's been some cutworms reported as well. The cutworms are kind of wrapping up, so they should be pretty much done. Last week we did have a few fields that were still being controlled for them, some wheat and oats and soybeans and canola. But again, they're, they're getting quite large um, and starting to turn into pupa, which means numbers are decreasing. So I think within the next week or so, uh, there'll be a lot that have turned into pupa and that cutworm lev uh, levels and concern should be diminishing. Dr. Gavlowski notes armyworm larvae are now being found in Manitoba. So armyworms, we're talking here about one sometimes called true armyworm or cereal armyworm, not birth armyworm. So this one likes to feed on cereals and forage grasses, and it's one where the adults migrate in, so we don't see them all the time, just years when we get big levels migrating in. It seems that there have been quite a few that migrated in this year. Initially, it seemed to be the eastern and interlake area that we were keeping an eye on, but in the last uh, couple of days, I've had reports of armyworms in the Dauphin area and in the Surus area, so in western part of the province. And so for anyone with cereals, forage grasses, a uh, good idea just to go have a look. You're, during the day, you'd be looking on the ground because they're, they're nocturnal. They come out at night to feed on the crop. During the day, they're going to go and hide under debris or clods of soil or whatever shelter they can find. So if you're noticing defoliation on cereals and forage grasses, 
check on the uh, soil level and see if by chance armyworms could be what's doing that. Grasshoppers are also feeding on the same crops, so sometimes early on it's hard to tell what's doing what. He adds alfalfa weevil and pea leaf weevil have been spotted. Well, uh, both uh, alfalfa weevil and pea leaf weevil. Um, So alfalfa weevil, its um, host is alfalfa and clovers they will feed on too. But alfalfa is the main uh, crop of concern with alfalfa weevil. Um, Now, weevils are beetles with a bit of a snout at the front end. And uh, alfalfa weevil, it's actually the larval stage, which look like they're, they're, they're green. They don't have any true legs. They're green. They've got a white stripe down the back and a black head. And they would be right up at the top of the alfalfa canopy feeding. And you get this uh, ragged appearance to some of the leaves and um, leaves, buds at the top of the canopy. So if you're seeing that kind of ragged, shredded appearance at the top of the canopy, uh, give some of the plants a good shake. See if it's the alfalfa weevil that could be doing that. And the other one that we mentioned in our update was pea leaf weevil. And as the name might imply, their host plant is peas, but they also do like faba beans. And the adults will make these very distinctive semicircular notches around the margins of the leaves. Now, that's not really economical. What can be a problem is their larvae live in the soil and they feed on the nodules that grow on the roots of peas, faba beans, and some of the other pulse crops. And the the nodule feeding, the nodules are what fix nitrogen for the plants. So if you have too many weevil larvae feeding on too many nodules, you get less nitrogen in your plants, so you get nitrogen deficiency. So that's where they can be a problem. We've been doing a survey to see what levels are like, and so far the western part of the province, especially the northwest, the area between um, Dauphin and Robin seems to be a hot spot for pea leaf weevil. But even the area up around Swan River, we're finding some significant numbers. Dr. Gavlowski adds that green clover worm is being noticed in soybeans and dry beans. Like the army worm, it's something that doesn't occur, it doesn't overwinter here. But with them, they can get blown in in some years. And so a lot of years, again, we barely see them. Now, green clover worm, they, you would find them on soybeans and dry beans. They're a type of looper. So when they walk, they tend to loop. If you disturb them, they will start wiggling around really violently. So um, they just kind of uh, squirm really uh, crazy when you, you poke at them. So behaviorally, they're an easy one to ID. Uh, like I said, a green caterpillar, bit of white striping on it, loops. But if you disturb them, they kind of go crazy on you. That's green clover worm. They will feed on the leaves of soybeans, dry beans. It hasn't been an economical issue at this point. People are noticing them, kind of keeping an eye on levels, but so far not an economic threat. He says the threat of flea beetles in canola has now passed. Flea beetles are decreasing, which normally happens as we get into later June. And the other thing that's happening is the canola, for the most part, is beyond the susceptible stages. So in most fields, you've got five, six or more true leaves on the plants by now. And um, so we're, we're beyond the stage where flea beetles can do their maximum damage. So that's the foliar spraying that was happening earlier in June is pretty much wrapped up. Dr. Gavlowski notes there's been a label update for EcoBran 
which is used for grasshopper management. Well, EcoBrand is a uh, grasshopper bait. It's been on the market for quite a while. Um, it's got a chemical called carb. Uh, it's called carbaryl that is on the bait, and you would spread this. Uh, a lot of people use it uh, in field edges. Uh, municipalities have used it in the past in the ditch areas, pastures, uh, anywhere where you can easily spread a grasshopper bait. Um, but the label has been amended, and uh, some of the crops that used to be on the label have been removed. Uh, corn, wheat, oats, barley, rye, um, uh, alfalfa, there's some of the crops that have been removed from the label. What remains is uses such as pastures and rangeland, forage grasses, uh, canola, beans, uh, your field borders, uh, roadsides, that's still on the label. So if grasshoppers are of concern, um, that would be one of the the options that people can use uh, for grasshopper control. He notes their diamondback moth traps are seeing varying numbers across Manitoba. Well, in western Manitoba, counts aren't extremely high. In the northwest, actually, uh, we've just got a couple traps that have hit that 20 mark, but that's not really alarming to us. Southwest, we've had some traps go above 30, and actually one trap near Lauder, um, up close to 80. Worth keeping an eye on diamondback levels in the southwest, but certainly not high risk based on the trap counts. Where we're seeing some really heavy trap counts is the eastern region around Beauzeur. We've got a trap there that had 483 total moths over the uh, several weeks that we've been doing it so far. The trap near Altona had 262. So we've been keeping an eye on levels. A couple of weeks ago, people were reporting seeing the larva. And oddly enough, this past week, one of the agronomists said the larva that they were seeing a couple of weeks ago are much less. So whether they're turning to pupa or natural enemies got them or a combination, hard to know. They weren't seeing a lot of pupae. So we're just um, keeping an eye on things and seeing what the diamondback moth levels are like. They're certainly out there. I know the fields around Carmen here, the canola, if we are sweeping, we're picking up diamondback moth, but currently not at uh, economic levels. Dr. Gavlosky adds that Bertha armyworm counts are still manageable as well. So far, we, we, we are catching some Bertha armyworm in the traps, but so far, relatively low levels, and everything currently rates as low risk. And he notes he's come across another insect in recent days. We were out in, in a field doing a pea leaf weevil survey, and we saw a little black larva crawling, crawling on the soil, and they can actually move quite quickly. So I, I threw a picture of it in our quiz this week. Uh, what it was was a ground beetle larva. A lot of people are familiar with ground beetles. You turn over a stone or log or board or something, you get these black, often brown beetles that scurry around. They may or may not have colored spots on their back. What we found was the larva of a, a ground beetle called Calisoma, which black has red spots. They really like cutworms, that species of both adult and larvae. And uh, we actually saw quite a few of them in that field, so that was a good sign. And I figured that was worthy of putting in our quiz for the week. Dr. John Gavlosky is the provincial entomologist for Manitoba Agriculture, and he's based in Carmen. Commodities Update. Canola futures closed down across the board today. 
July canola closed at $734 per metric ton, down $5.80. November canola closed at $705.10, down $10 per metric ton. July Minneapolis wheat closed at 864 and three quarters, down 15 and a quarter cents. July Kansas City wheat closed at 859 per bushel, down 12 cents. July Chicago wheat closed at 733 and a quarter, down five and three quarters of a cent. July corn closed at 630 and three quarters, down 29 and three quarters of a cent. July soybeans closed at 1494 and a half, down six cents. July oats closed at 385 and a half, down 11 and a half cents. And that's the commodities update. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. And remember, GX on Agriculture is always available on podcast. Listen to past shows whenever you want. Find them easily by going to gx94radio.com. Also, you can hear the podcast on your Amazon Echo. Just enable the GX94 skill and choose GX on Agriculture. And yes, it's free. It's now 1 o'clock in Saskatchewan, 2 o'clock in Manitoba. Time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Mainly sunny, winds southwest at 10 to 15 and a high of 26 degrees. For tonight, mainly clear, winds east at 10 to 15, a low of 11. Tomorrow, mainly sunny, winds northeast at 10 to 15, a high of 26, an overnight low of 13. For Sunday, partly sunny, winds northwest at 10 to 20, a high of 29. For Monday, partly sunny, with a 30% chance of late-day showers, a high of 28. And for Tuesday, partly sunny, with a 40% chance of scattered afternoon showers and thunderstorms, also a high of 28. In the Paw and Show Lake Russell, it's 22 degrees, Swan River 26, Dauphin 25, Brandon 21, Roblin 24. Regina, Saskatoon, Hudson Bay, Indian Head, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington all reporting in at 24. Broadview, Mooseman, 22. The Yorkton-Melville region has a mainly sunny sky, a south wind at 11 kilometers an hour. 29% is the relative humidity. The temperature is 25 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again on Monday at 12.15 Saskatchewan time for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. CJGX Yorkton, a Harvard Media radio station serving Saskatchewan and Manitoba. We are GX94. The GX on Agriculture podcast has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner.